It's Time for Truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's Time for Truth exists to glorify God through the edification of His saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I'm joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. We are grateful once again that you have joined us on the day of our recording here. Uh, the fall weather is in full uh, swing as we now have rain and uh, and the leaves are are falling off. All the colors are going starting to go away, and it's uh it's it's we're headed towards winter, and yeah. it's a it's a wonderful time. Looking forward to our discussion today once again. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Jim, how are you? Yeah, doing good. And it is a it's a rainy fall day, and I am not looking forward to winter. But I do love the fall, and I love the rain, and it's just a beautiful picture. I love the color changing of the leaves, and it's just a great time of year for that. I remember being in New York; we had some of the best leaf viewing as the changes in colors because we had rolling hills and uh, really, really beautiful to ride along and do that. So, and then we had a. a I just love uh, Thursday mornings because we had such a great Bible study last night where we're studying heaven or eternity and kind of how do you take that and live for today? And we talked about the characteristics of heaven. What are the characteristics that we're going to see in heaven? And man, it was just so rich. It was, it turned into such a great study for me and then sharing it. It was just, it really connected. And so we talked about faithfulness, endurance, perseverance, generosity, kindness, many other things, but it's those are all things that we're going to see in heaven in eternity. But the reality is, is we can practice those now. That's, that's the beauty of how do you live for eternity is you study what the characteristics of eternity are going to be. Now you can practice those as in your daily life. So, yeah, I, I like the way the apostle John puts it, you know, he who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Like you, that, that idea of purity is, is putting on the characteristics of heaven right now. Right. right? And, uh, J.C. Ryle talks about that idea of uh, what makes you think you're going to like heaven if you're not that interested in the things of heaven now. Now, yeah. Essence, right? And we talked about, you and I have talked about this, I don't know if it's been on the podcast, but we talked about you can do good works that God has designed for you, but if you don't do them with the right attitude, God will still accomplish it, but you're not going to get any reward for that in heaven. And we we did a great example of Jonah, Right. I mean, that whole town of Nineveh, that whole city, including the king and the proclamation, came to the Lord. They, that, that was a, you know, that was a, a Jonathan Edwards Northeast, you know, United States moment where there's this, right? this big awakening, and Jonah's attitude was was the wrong attitude, and you know, he basically scored no points for that. <laughs> so, you know, profit, but he didn't have love, and so it didn't profit him anything. Yeah, and, and, he, and we talked about it. He's a pastor. He was he was a preacher. Like that was that was his role. And imagine giving a five or six word sermon and i'm sure there was more to it but that's all that we have in scripture you give a five or six word sermon and the whole town repents <laughs> you'd think the pastor would be on fire right. but nope so your attitude absolutely matters yeah. so no that's good well we come back to, uh, today to our theme of biblical economics and we're turning our attention to the subjects of contentment and consumerism yes these are economic matters and discussions these matter for the way in which we are productive or not productive. These matter for the way in which we treat money 
and our resources and our um, possessions. Uh, two enemy combatants that we are going to be talking about today are the uh, concepts of contentment and consumerism. These enemy combatants are uh, vying for supremacy in our souls and also extre- externally for our money and our resources, right? They, they want you um, in, in terms of the, the conflict. Uh, consumerism wants you, but yet we uh, must be those people who understand what contentment is about. And so that, that is the battle of contentment versus consumerism. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. So as we start, let's first talk about contentment and how to view it biblically. Uh, first, let's define what contentment is. Contentment is the degree of happiness which consists of being satisfied with present conditions. I think it's really important. I like this other part too. A quiet, uncomplaining, satisfied mind. That's really good. And it's really speaking about being at peace so as to be satisfied and even happy with where the Lord has you right now. And we were talking about this in the pre-podcast uh, portion, that um, that this is really, this is a virtue that that is grounded in God. And it is one of those things that is really a Christian virtue. And I, I don't understand, I don't, I don't believe that um, unbelievers can really have true contentment because they don't have a, a understanding of where to ground that. And it's there is a sense in which there's a surface contentment that can be had uh, because I think of being made in the image of God. But I think that there is a, a restlessness and a and a and a an angst and a, and a problem that that dwells in the hearts of so many people because of of the reality that this is a virtue that comes from God. Yeah, I think you can see it in pieces, but that true state—I call it a state of contentment—where yeah. you are continually anchored in the Lord can only happen in the Lord because everyone else fundamentally they are driven by fear, right? I mean, you know, Adam and Eve hid from God. And so the, the the consequences of sin is that ultimately you're driven by selfishness and fear, trying to protect yourself and fundamentally be your own God. Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13 says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That that great out-of-context verse that is normally used um, for uh, selfish and, and... Professional athletes. Yeah, professional athletes, right? They're going to win the Super Bowl because they can do all things. things. That's right. They can do all things. But the context here really is talking... Paul is talking about here the issue of of being content in whatever circumstances. So he can have a lot or he can have a little and his meter stays flat, if you right. will. It stays it stays the same. It's he's not jumping all over the place with worry and fear um or overindulgence or whatever. It's a matter of I I've had a lot and I've had a little and I've learned that in every circumstance the secret, he says, and I think what he's referring to is that secret is contentment of being filled and going hungry and yet having a confidence to where and going back to our definition an uncomplaining satisfied mind a quiet uncomplaining satisfied mind and and really being happy in the present moment and condition yeah it's interesting because the you know contentment isn't necessarily an action it's something that you are it's it's part of your character you know what i mean it's a it's a 
it's a spiritual piece of of who you are. It's a virtue, right? It's yeah. a virtue, and so I think I think that's a a great way to think about it. And I like Hebrews thirteen. It talks about make sure your character again back to this is part of part of your virtue. Your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. It's 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 not the money, right? It's you going into that no matter what happens, and that's what Paul's saying as well in in Philippians and. It's a great way to think about it, so I really yeah. like it. Another important passage about contentment is First uh, Timothy 6, 6 through 10. It says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into, this, into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We find in this in this text uh, some really important um, understanding principles, principles to understand. And uh, the first one there, it says godliness is really an important thing. Um, but it it's valuable when it has contentment attached to it. That's a very interesting concept, isn't it? It really is, and and, and it's a growth concept, right? It, it God is big, and so it's it's the idea of you can grow in these things as long as you do it with the right anchor. Yeah, and and even just that that recognition, we've brought nothing into this world, and we're going to be taking nothing out of it. So therefore, it doesn't mean that everything that happens here doesn't matter. Um, there is that there is no value in it, but it's having a perspective that says it, it is it is for use now, it is for a benefit now. But ultimately, your satisfaction needs to be in that which is eternal. We talked about this in some previous episodes, right? Laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, so what we have and the resources that uh, that have been given to us uh, are for. Uh, our use and for our multiplying for the sake of dominion and glorifying God in them. But the, but the reality is it's just stuff, right? It's just stuff. And so can you be content with a little bit of stuff? And what can you also be content with um, a, a lot of stuff? Should the Lord bless you with that? What, are, are you, are you going to be a type of person that can be entrusted? See, some people can't be trusted with a lot of stuff right. because of the improper way that they would treat it and the idolizing of it that they would, that they would have. And so Paul, Paul is, is reminding Timothy here that uh, we need to be mindful of contentment of, with food and covering, that those basics, you need, you need the basics. And when you have those basics, that should be so, not enough for you. And those who are seeking to get rich, to have their own, um, building their own empire, as it were, uh, that, that it comes with a lot of grief, is his point, and uh, we need to be aware of that. Yeah, and I, I think actually if you are successful in making money and and you don't have true groundedness, that's a danger. Like, be very careful because you're going down the wrong road, and so you can't skip putting God first. If you are having success outside of that, that's not success. You know, there there can't be blessings skipping God. It just doesn't work that way, and so it's better to have less and be blessed than to have more without God. So Right. And then you already brought up Hebrews 13. We'll just touch on it again here briefly. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What, shall, what will man do to me? And uh, you pointed out 
appropriately that this is a matter of character and character in terms of your loves, in terms of priorities, in terms of your values. And But notice where this contentment is grounded in. It's, contound, it's, it's grounded in the fact that I trust in God who said, I will not desert you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you trust him for that? Right. And he's saying, I'm not, I'm not just there to watch you uh, flounder and suffer, but I'm there to be, I'm there present to bless. And so I won't leave you without the things that you need. Right. And, and it's trusting him for that. So if you, if you can trust him for the things that you need, you turn to him in prayer, you're dependent upon him that, uh, that you can rely upon him. Then therefore uh, you, you that's a building block of character as you build that in over, over time that you, that trust grows, faith grows, and you should not have a, an undue love for money. Yeah, see, I, I I actually look at contentment as a foundational building block, Danny. It is yeah. it is at the base of the wall because by being content, it literally is the foundation for these other things to grow. Your faithfulness, your your seeing God's provision, being peaceful, being at peace with what God has provided you. All of that comes through first being content. So yeah, that's that first layer of, of bricks of the wall. I think it's a have... really low one on the wall, and, right. and one that we don't spend enough time talking about, which is interesting. So, yeah, especially well, in America, I think that's very interesting where we live in what I call Disney World, where we have so much. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting thing. We'll get into that balance element too, because um, I think there's some. I think when we do talk about it, we end up um, leaving out some important balance to that. Right. We'll get into that in just a minute. But yes, this idea of contentment it is a Christian virtue. And as I think about it, it is such um, it is such a quietness. The opposite of contentment is greed or lust, or as put in contrast in Scripture, it is love for money, love for things, and that is such a loud busyness that comes with a lot of baggage. What is the baggage of greed and lust and the passion for money and stuff? Well, it is the loudness of anxiety that won't go away. It is the clamor for more. It is the unsatisfying cry for more. And I like what the dictionary definition of contentment included. That is that quiet, uncomplaining, satisfied mind. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And when you are content, you find that there isn't so much to complain about, and you could be described then as happy. Discontented people are complainers, and it is impossible to satisfy them. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because as you described, that the people that are chasing these things, there is an enormous amount of energy that goes into that. That's like, right. There is an enormous amount of... I'll call it busyness, right? Because yeah. it's not blessed. And so you are busy chasing, you know. A ghost. The, uh, yeah, a ghost, literally. You, you can't catch it. You're chasing the golden ring and it's never there. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is you watch people that have had success incorrectly. They always want the next golden ring and the next one. You know, I think about, I think it was the 90s or 2000. Milken was one of the Wall Street guys. that There was this huge crash and he was a billionaire and he got into this upside down trading and he wound up in jail and lost everything. And it's like, but it's never enough. It's back to, they're always seeking more and more and more. And so if you don't build it off of contentment, there's no appreciation for what God has given you. So, and this is the, this is the slippery slope of being discontent because see, people th think that if I only reach a certain level, a certain status, if I get a certain amount then I will have enough and I will be content at that point. Right. 
Uh, that's when I'll be satisfied. That's when I'll be happy, and and I'll be the generous philanthropist. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, yep. And then I, I would be so generous. I'd be giving my money away, and it doesn't work that way. Right. It's the opposite. It's you the opposite. give it away. <laughs> well, it, it's the opposite. What happens is is that you end up uh, continuing. It's it's a drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, discontentment and greed. Right. It's a drug, and you uh, you you don't never can get enough right. of that if you're not content. And so that's one of the challenges with discontented people. Nothing is good enough because if it isn't perfect according to their standard of perfection, then they've somehow compromised. And what happens is we pursue something else. We pursue something better. The grass is always greener, people, right? Uh, Better is out there. Perfection is closer if I add something else. And even though you compromise several other virtues in pursuit of perfection, right? And and I don't want to go get too far ahead, but this is the root of discontentment and consumerism. It is the pursuit of perfection by my own efforts and abilities. Right. And I, I like, Jim, you, you always like to highlight this and expose systems and relationships that are works-based. Right. And at the heart of discontentment is a sense of, I need to do more. I need to work to live, not... Uh, I work to live, not live to work. Right. And it gets upside down. It gets backwards. Um and, and and then I'll be happy and I'll, I'll be satisfied and I'm at peace with um I'll, I'll be at peace when I get all the things that I'm after to pr- that I'm gaining for myself. And I know we're going to do something on pyramid schemes coming up, but the reality is that that's part of my issue with them is it's the idea of if I have enough people under me, then I don't have to work. No, if 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 the scheme goes against God's plan for you to work. And you're going to make money off of it. Walk away because it's a scam. Right. Walk away. And, but contentment is is able to say, I don't need more. I work. Um, I, I work so that I can live, and I can be happy, and I can be satisfied, and I'm at peace with what I have. Why? Because God's grace has satisfied my ultimate need, and He has given me everything I need for my spiritual needs, and He cares for my life and the body. Right. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Right. He knows what I need. Uh, Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. But not, a, and of course, not a hair of my head falls without the knowledge and, and permission of God. A person who knows the Lord truly can be content. And this goes back to what I just mentioned even, oh, I think it was this last Sunday, maybe it was two weeks ago now, the idea that Jesus says, uh, come to me uh, and, and I will give you rest. And I will also give you a, a light yoke, uh, excuse me, an easy, no, a light yoke and an easy burden. Right. Right. And and that's where that's where it is in the Lord, is that you have the ability to be content and right. be satisfied and to be happy because it's about faith. It's about trust in the Lord. Right. And to have Christ then is sufficient. And that's what why Paul can say, food and covering, that's sufficient for my needs. And God supplies those needs. So I'm good. Right. And I can be satisfied. Right. And I can be happy. Um, so do you want peace and do you want to be satisfied? Well, then consider your food and covering and recognize the rest of it is gravy. Right. <laughs> uh, everything else is a bonus to be thankful for. But if you are in the rat race, if you are trying to keep up with the Joneses or, uh, or your rich family members or the general standard of the world or some imaginary artificial standard of your own lusts, then discontentment is likely a root issue in your heart. But we want to speak further about the issue of contentment alongside other virtues and circumstances so that I, I hope that we will have a better sense of what contentment is all about. And this is similar to what I talked about a few weeks ago in our series on biblical marriage. 
Serving your wife and meeting her needs is not at war with headship. Seeking to be pleasing to your wife, honoring and preferring your wife in humility is not does not mean that you submit to your wife then, which is what is mostly what is experienced and seen in a lot of the complementarian circles now, right? If you're going to love your wife, then basically, what is it that she wants? Well, then that's what you do. Right. Um, and it, 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 it really pits those two things against each other in terms of headship and serving when humility. But we just need to put each virtue in its proper place so that we have the balance of two things that coexist. And they might appear at first to be at odds, and that's the problem. I think is is what we've done in most of the church today is we've um, we've looked at things in isolation, and we've not considered how they relate to other virtues and other other realities. And Scripture does not contradict itself, so we 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 know that we need to um, get a proper understanding. Well, how is it that you can have contentment? But also want something to change, Jim, right? Because if you if you actually want something to change, doesn't that mean you're discontent? I mean, if you how can you be content, but you also want to grow? Right. How can you be content, but also want to start or grow a business? Right. In other words, is it wrong to be ambitious, to have a, de- a desire and a drive to do more, to do or to be or to be better? Right. Is it wrong to want something better? bigger or want it somewhere else. I also just think of <laughs> the irony of it. If you are lacking in contentment, but you want to be content, you're in some measure wanting something more than what you currently have. And so in that, it seems like the desire for contentment would be in itself discontent because you're discontent with how discontent you are. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's this, it's this element of, wait a minute, if you're desiring a change and if you're saying that things are not the way they ought to be or or we can improve on this, is that an enemy of contentment? Right. Because if you're satisfied and happy with where the Lord has you now, how is it that you can ever want to change then? Well, and you see this in the building of God's word. You see it in him. He says of people that have much, much is to be expected. So there, there is a, there is a progression that occurs or that can occur under God's plan and, and, we that counters everything that that people think in, that contentment is. Right, it's because they isolate it to just contentment, and they don't combine it with the rest of the virtues and attributes. And and I think it goes into our uh, a problem in a lot of our modern Christianity. But even just adding more to this uh, in asking these questions, how can you be content and pray for anything? Right. <laughs> because if you're going to God and asking for something, you're there's some measure of need and some measure of saying, I want something to be different. Right. So I'm at coming to God for a change. Um, so when you, when you pray, aren't you in some manner, manner dissatisfied with the status quo, including your lack of contentment? Lord, I'm not content with my level of contentment. Please help me and teach me contentment. Right. <laughs> uh, it's that, it's that issue. Right. The error would seem to be in the prayer itself. I am not satisfied with the status quo. Right. Also, let's take it, you know, in sort of a different economic, not, not economic direction, but a personal direction. What if you're sick or have a disease? Right. What if you have a small house? Uh, should you never to seek to move into a bigger house? What if you make $10 an hour? Is it discontentment and sinful to want to make more money? How do we understand other elements of human ambition, a drive for excellence, a healthy pursuit of dominion and investment? Those some of the other things we've been talking about. Well, first of all, what I believe most discussions in churches about contentment do is I believe they emasculate men 
especially. Because most discussions that I've heard about contentment are very stifling to any man who wants to build things, grow things, and to be an excellent provider. He's always kicked down a few pegs for not being content, for having desires to do more, to progress, to try new things, and to take some risks. And he's and he's beat up for it when he finds some success and enjoys some success. Uh, you know, then he's got too much. You know, right. or then or you must be loving, you must be idolizing your things, or so forth. But when the guy that uh, but then the, the guy that doesn't provide for his family well, he gets beat up for not having a drive, for not having a strong work ethic. Right. And so you, he loses both ways. Yeah, we actually we actually pigeonhole both at, into into buckets. You know, so you're right. On the lower end, it's you're not providing. On the higher end, it's man, you should be giving to missions, or you should be building a church, or you should be. You know, it's 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 always the you should. Every every everyone that hasn't built it has an idea of how to use it. Right. Instead of listening to the guy that actually built it yeah. and understanding is he, is he capable of building more. Well, and, and, and so then the, the discussions about contentment in church are often about uh, stagnation and basically just being satisfied with where you're at, and there's no sense of, but is there a reason to, for growth right. and um, other elements, and talking about being a, a, a good provider right. and all those things. And so, again, you can get beat up on both ends. And so we, we just tend to have mixed messages. The clearest ones that come through, though, are ones that bring men down to passive, self-loathing, be still, don't have desires, don't have a boat, be content kind of messages. So then how do we have a balanced approach then to, faith, to a faithful vision for how God intends for us to live with contentment and with a sense of these other virtues? Right. And remember, I mean, dominion is, is a, a go-take-the-world dominion. That, that's the mandate. So we, we, we you have cannot, to have some measure of ambition. Right. We cannot get away from the fact that we are called to work in take dominion of the land. There's no take it until this point and then stop. There's no take it to this point and then give it to the missions team. It, it's a continual taking dominion until eternity. And so I think you have to come to a conclusion of how do I look at contentment and ambition together, together. in the right way. Correct. So Because contentment cannot be the death of ambition. Right. Because we'd all starve to death. Right. Actually, I would put that into the complacency is the word I would use. If you, if you have mm. if you have given up, if you have stopped, you are less than content. You're actually just complacent because of God's calling. Just like we talked about on the uh, talking about the the fourth commandment, the idea of work being built in exactly. to the fourth commandment that you don't get you don't get rest without work. And so if you there's if, no retiring. If yeah, if you're not work laziness, uh, the sluggard. That is a problem biblically, right? And and so we have to we have to balance that and have an under, a healthy understanding of how to do that. And so contentment, I would argue again, is not the death of ambition, but instead contentment is bridling of blind or selfish ambition. Yeah, and I w- I would say contentment is the foundation that provides ambition to be pursued with integrity and per God's yes. word. So it's the idea of pursuing. Yes, it's a continued pursuit. But it's grounded in contentment, which leads to doing ambitious things correctly. It, it's pursuing things, but like you like to talk about, Jim, I appreciate is is talk, we talk about these things. We talk about finances with an open hand, right? So it's not the it's not we don't pursue or build, but we also say, but it, if the Lord wills, we will 
go to such and such a town and we will make a profit. That's right. It's saying, this is, I'm dependent upon God and whatever God wants is okay with me. That's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. If ambition or a desire for change or something better were a wild stallion, contentment is that virtue that brings the strength of that stallion under control and allows it to run inside the fences of wisdom and, prop- and propriety. Right. It allows you to it allows you to pursue things that don't, uh, as we saw earlier in First uh, Timothy, the idea of of being pierced. Your desire to be rich is a selfish ambition wherein you pierce yourself with many griefs. Right. And contentment allows you to pursue God's design for us and His best for us with an open hand that says, "I'm not. If I get rich, or whether I." I I have food in my body and shelter over t- over my head. That's enough, and the Lord is good in that. Right, and and He'll and, and we and we seek to honor Him in that, and we can be content with that. I laugh because people ask about the donut business. I'll bring that up. I you know I invested in that, and we've got a location that we picked, and and you know we picked it because we wanted to drive through in a location. But people ask me, oh, that's going to be such a great location, and I go, I have no idea. <laughs> like truthfully, I have no idea. God can choose to bless that or not. I'm content in the fact that I invested in it not for making money. I invested in it for eternal purposes of other things. And and the reality is, is when I comparatively look at that compared to, so I have a friend that was the VP of real estate at Chick-fil-A, right? And Chick-fil-A owns all of their locations except for universities and airports and malls. But so he is light years ahead. He's working with local governments on highway systems and things. And he, they are strategically planning where to put these things based on population growth. And what did we do? We drove by and said, ah, that place looks good. You know what I mean? And so, so like when I look at the work that we put into it versus what he did, I think, man, I'm not sure we really did the work, but I'm content knowing that God can choose to bless it or he doesn't have to. So it's his calling. By the way, because I'm curious also, maybe our listeners are, is there a, a, target date or is there a, uh, <laughs> I think source subject? No, <laughs> I think it's probably end of the year. I, you know, I realistically think it'll take us to the end of the year. So we're, we're yeah. probably a couple of weeks away from pulling permits. And then, um, from there you got to do the build out and things always take a little longer than they expect. So yeah. Okay. We're in good shape though. So we're doing really good. Well, good to know, but I, I just getting back to the topic at hand, right? That element of, uh, I, we do the best we can. We, we step out in faith in a particular direction and then we trust that um, it's in the Lord's hands. Yeah, and, even, and we even apply there, due diligence best we can. Even there, we talk about it when we meet. Is is I talk about we want to build the best donuts for God that we can build. Why do we want to be the best? Because we want God to be represented by the best. And so that's our objective in building donuts. And you can do that for God. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Good. The desire. This gets back to this issue of desire. Um, a desire for change is not and cannot be discontentment automatically. If that were true, all those who came to be healed by Jesus were coming for the sake of sinful motives, and Jesus satisfied their desires. Countless people came to hear him and to be healed, Luke 6, 17 and 18. And where was their contentment, their satisfaction in their circumstances they were in? They should have been just happy to go ahead and be a, a paraplegic, right? Uh, to be yeah. a lame man, to be a blind man, to to have leprosy. They should have just been content with where they were and not desire to change, but that wasn't the case. And it's interesting. You talked about contentment, the definition, this, this state of happiness or satisfaction, this idea of you have to be there. And then the definition of ambition, I love. It's a strong desire to do or achieve something 
typically requiring determination and hard work. I, I love yeah, that definition. Good. That's a that's such a biblical definition of what we're talking about. And they can't be enemies. And that's the thing is they can't be enemies, Danny. They have to, because God has designed both of them, because they're both in Scripture, there has to be a way not only for them to coexist, but I would say for them to cooperate. Complement. Exactly. We're complementarians, Jim. Oh, no. <laughs> that's another episode. But yes, I, I, that's a really, I, I'm glad you, you brought in that definition because it's so important. And I suggest that it was also good and proper and normal for these people that came to Jesus with their infirmities and their diseases. It was proper for them to want to be healed. But what if that, but here's the thing, what if it was not the Lord's will to bring about the healing? Right. Because we deal with this today. Right. Then what's the, what's the, com, what's the contentment level then? Yeah, my faith is that on this side of eternity or that side, I will be healed. That's right. I want to change. and uh, but, but this issue of contentment, from a biblical perspective, I, I just think it's Godward. It is satisfied with present conditions if the Lord so chooses them for me. Not that I, not that I can't want something more and something better. I can't, it's not that I can't desire to be healed. Of course, that is normal and ordinary. The issue is, but if the Lord wills, for me to stay in this condition, uh, then can I honor him? Can I right. do be obedient to him? Uh, can I be satisfied with what he has given me and acknowledge and recognize that he will give me that what I desire in this godly ambition in eternity, right? And when you begin looking for how these cooperate or how are these, I don't even want to use the word coexist, but how these this contentment and ambition work together, all of a sudden you start seeing it in scripture. We did it last night. It was Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what, Danny? All these things will be added all to you. All these things. That is that is ambition. That is growing all those things in taking dominion and doing work, doing your part. But all of these things. And so and Jesus was saying, don't worry about what you will eat and what you will wear. Right. Doesn't your father know that you need these things? Right. So discontentment is an enemy of worry. Right. And and that's a, that's a good... So therefore, as we cultivate the character quality of contentment, um, again, it's not about not wanting a change. It's about letting... Um, uh, about trusting God that his best is for us. Yeah, and so how we do things really matters. Yeah. Not only what we do, the work, but how we do it with the right attitude for God really, really matters. And so really, that uh, that having that attitude, that core in your heart that says, if the Lord wills, I will do such and such, and I will experience this. And so it means I give up the, or I give the outcome and the results and the profit of my efforts, I give that to the Lord, and I will accept whatever comes my way or doesn't come my way as from his hand, that he is teaching me something, that he is leading me to where he wants me to be, and contentment says, I want God's best for me over what I think is best for me. Right. And and I'm, I'll be satisfied with that. Yep. And I'll be happy. You know, and I think about that first John, it's in first John 2, 16. It's the, the desires of the flesh, the desires of our eyes, the desires of pride of life. Whenever we read that, you know, it's not from Father, but it's from the world. Whenever we read that, we always think about sexual lust is, is essentially where every man goes or every preacher that ever preached that verse goes there. Reality, Danny, is it applies to anything that our eyes are distracted on that's not God. It's 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 everything, including seeking money without mm -hmm. putting God first. And so it's it's incorrectly channeled ambition is what that verse is talking about. That's right. That's right. 
Well, let's use a couple of examples in the realm of economics. Um, one's economics and one's not. But let's take someone uh, who has some ambition to start their own business. They hope that they will be successful and it will grow and that they will make a lot of money. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong at all. That is a good and normal enterprise to pursue. How does contentment then work with a person who wants to start a business? Contentment says, I will be satisfied if I can feed my family and pay for my basic needs. I won't be angry, anxious, worried, or fearful. I will trust that God is sovereign over my business and the economy as a whole, and I will work hard and I will do my best, but I will trust God with the results. True contentment is found in God, and whether I hit it big and get wealthy from it, that's not the measure. The measure is whether I can be content with a little or whether having a lot, I never, um, I, I, I'm not the type of person that can just never get enough. Uh, that's that's what contentment, that's the test of contentment in yeah. being a, a part of a business. I think there's another aspect to that, Danny, where if, if you are content in God and you're thinking about starting a business, you are more open to godly wisdom. So if five men come to you and say, you know, I, I remember we had a Bible study and this guy who had never owned a pizza place came to the Bible study. He's like, I'm going to open a pizza place. And everyone was like, you know nothing about opening a pizza place, <laughs> right? And and he wasn't listening. He, he had already predetermined. And so he went to a bunch of other guys. He kept asking until he found somebody that told him, yes, this is a good idea, right? And ultimately it failed. And so I think that there, if you are content in God, you're going to be more open to, to godly wisdom through men and people that are around you saying, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Or did you consider this? So you know, even making plans, you should be seeking wisdom of other men. Such an important concept. No, that's good. Let's think uh, about another example. What about a person with an illness or a disability? Now, this is where we have to be compassionate. We have to recognize that it's easy to say and it's easy to wave our hands superficially towards someone who's going through suffering. And so we don't simply chide with an air of judgment. You just need to be content. But nevertheless, it is important to speak about these things with honesty and truth. And on this subject, I really think of Johnny Erickson Tata, mm. uh, who has been a remarkable example. Uh, I may have shared this previously, but I heard her speak about her situation as a quadriplegic. Do you think that she wants to get better and to be well and whole again? She'll tell you. Absolutely, she does. And she believes and knows that she will be well again. She has suffered and she has been dependent on others her whole life. She can't wait for glory and she is confident that she will be healed. But for the last 50 plus years or whatever it's been now, without the use of arms and like, imagine 50 years and you can't use your arms and legs. She yet has learned to be content. She has learned to accept from God's hand her lot in life. She has learned to be grateful for and to see the good in how God has worked in her and through her. And through much struggle and difficulty, she has learned to be satisfied and happy with where God has her. And again, it is normal and it is good to desire something better, to be healthy, to be healed. But the same with your business. You, you have to leave the outcome to the Lord. You can, And of course, you can seek medical help. You can try to eat better. You can take steps to improve your health. But will you be satisfied? Will you be happy in the condition that God has you in now? And if so, then you will treat people kindly and graciously. You will be able to be thankful for what you actually do have rather than always being dissatisfied with what you don't have. And it will also help you to patiently wait on the Lord, knowing that he will heal all your diseases. He will bring us to glorious perfection. Why? Because contentment rests in the sovereignty and goodness of God, but not 
and not solely in my circumstances. And so then contentment is a state of mind that is satisfied with where God has you right now, but it is not a contradiction to ambition. Rather, it is a happiness in the present and in what God has for you now. So therefore, we are to be thankful. And that leads us to a short discussion of the second part of our topic for today, and that is consumerism. That's not a biblical term. So what is consumerism? Well, consumerism is the product, I'm arguing for, uh, it's a product of discontentment. And it is the drive to acquire goods and things and stuff beyond what we need. And biblically speaking, consumerism is what comes from things like greed and selfish ambition and pride and discontentment. It is a dissatisfaction with life as it is, and it is the belief that satisfaction is found in the acquiring of stuff. Satisfaction is found in the acquiring of stuff. That's really the root of of consumerism. Hoarding, of course, is a kind of individual consumerism on steroids, and there are many other issues with hoarding. Yeah, hoarding has got two aspects to it. One is the actual acquisition of stuff, which I believe is uh, is just as much an addiction as gambling and pornography and alcoholism and then the second part of this is that is the inability to let it go so hoarding is 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 two elements so and the first one is that acquisition of stuff you can't stop buying stuff because you're never content with what you have you're so seeking contentment in more in something else and, exactly. and you're just never finding it so you're always on that hamster wheel exactly. of of running after stuff that doesn't end up satisfying yep. Let's talk about consumerism on the broad economic front. Ordinary economics involves the production of goods and the offer of services that meet the needs of a given society. But consumerism is really the product of marketing in a popular culture that foments a dissatisfaction with what you have so that you feel a strong desire to attain more goods. And it's not that you need it in reality, but it is that you think you need it. And really... It is what thrives in a non-Christian environment where discontentment is the norm. It's funny how Paul nailed needs and wants, right? Food and shelter. <laughs> Not a car, right? Just food and shelter. Those are the two. Those are those are your basic fundamental needs outside of oxygen, right? right? And we're not saying that, uh, and of course, we're not saying at all that there's anything wrong right. with... Uh, wealth. We've talked about this previously, right. that wealth is a, a very much a good thing, right. but it can be used improperly. And uh, the key element is, again, our heart right. and the attitudes and the character that is built. And so a person who is wealthy, but doesn't have good character, um, is a mess and is a danger. Yeah. And all kinds of griefs uh, come along with that. Yeah. If you're not weighing wants and needs, so if you're out there buying stuff at auction because you think it's a value. Oh, it's such a good deal. Not thinking, not <laughs> thinking if it's a want or a need. Yeah. If you're doing that because I am going to save 20% because of the coupon, you really need to check yourself because the reality is you are probably filling a void in contentment. I hate mm. to say it that way, but that's the truth. Yep. So, And that's, a, that's an important uh, thing to consider is where our heart is. And, uh, and that's what we're really getting at. So when we get caught in the wheel of the world's way of thinking, uh, we can be sucked into consumerism, uh, a consumerism mentality ourselves, and we want to avoid that. We want to be fostering and building those character qualities that, uh, that God designed us for and, and God saved us unto, that we might reflect the character of God and, and uh, heed those, those instructions and that wisdom that comes from uh, our Savior 
who taught on, on, on all these things as well through the apostles, that, that we might learn contentment. Um, and that's where godliness grows, and that's where there is great gain is when contentment and godliness uh, really come together. And, and, I, and I read this in the book. It says the balance between contentment and ambition can lead to a fulfilling life, fulfilling meaning ongoing, where one appreciates the present, grows towards the future, and serves according to God's purpose. And I really like that. I wish I could remember the name of the book, but really, really good um, summary of how these two things work together. And consumerism, as you said, is is literally the evil battle against that. So Yeah, it, it's the enemy of contentment because contentment says, I'm satisfied. Right. And consumerism says, no, you're not. Yeah, we are. You and need we more. Are, we are bombarded <laughs> with consumerism. That's right. Bombarded. And that's what a lot of marketing is designed to, is to create... Um, uh, it's to appeal to lust, it is to appeal to fear, it is to create an engine of movement towards more. It's towards, astonishing. We should yeah. actually do an episode on that. But the idea of, the, you're right, Danny, this idea of marketing is is it, it appeals to an emotion that usually is a negative emotion. And, and you know, the car is going to satisfy you. No, the car's not going to satisfy you. It's a piece of metal. You can't eat it. <laughs> So, I mean, it literally, it, it brings nothing to you, but they present it in such a way that it, it, it appeals to your lust, your desire um, to fulfill something that you don't have. And that void will never be fulfilled by material things. You know, that void needs to be filled in contentment in God. Yep. Satisfaction in God, trusting in him. Right. And that's where we need to right. um, build that character. Well, that's all the time that we have for Truth Today. We just want to thank you for joining us once again. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth.